Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers. And, uh, wow, the <laughs> High Republic Young Jedi Adventure Show sure looks good, huh? I know. Are you are you ready to cover the full, I don't know, five-episode season? I don't even know how many seasons. We're, covered, episodes kids we're covering shows the whole season. We're going to go in-depth <laughs> with it the way we in do depth. all of our other shows because I yep. truly believe there's going to be just so much lore and content in this show. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> no. you know it's going to be serious when we have to count like how many lightsabers are on the wall or I don't know what they what do kid shows do anymore like I don't even know what the point of them is anymore uh well that just means you're an adult Bradley (laughs) it means you're a childless adult you have no children I I am reasonably informed by our friends that actually have children uh that children shows are very good for entertaining those children for between 30 minutes and one hour okay no, they, like they, they announced over the uh, week between recording that Young Jedi Adventures, which is the High Republic era, like, kids show. And when I mean kids show, I don't mean, like, Clone Wars, where it's, like, ostensibly kids show, but there's more. I mean, this is a show for preschoolers. Right. Very we obviously got, for preschoolers. <laughs> very obviously for preschoolers. We got a uh, look at the show, and we also got a premiere date. It's all gonna drop all... Well, it's gonna premiere on Disney Plus and Disney Junior, which should tell you, you know, what kind of show we're dealing with here on May 4th. It looks just really cute. Yeah, I almost wish I was a child during this age because, one, I wouldn't have to pay taxes, and two, because... (laughs) Oh, you just did um, your taxes too, huh? I, I'm about to do them. Yeah, uh, no, because uh, I hate I hate doing taxes working in the industry because you know as a freelancer I literally like have to remember how many fucking shows that I've been on and it's you think that it would be easy to be like oh you don't remember how many shows you've done this year but guys for those of you who don't understand freelancing like is a lot you have to keep track of all your shit otherwise the IRS is gonna come after your ass yep and I actually just got uh like a disbursement or something that I didn't remember that I had taken out so I filed all of my taxes and then I got another document that was like oh this is also a thing that happened so now i have to contact the irs and be like do i have to fill out this form like 1040r or something or 1040c or something that's like corrections to your taxes or just i don't know why the irs because they know all this information i don't know why the irs doesn't just be like here's a number pay you either pay us that number or here we're going to give you this number. Like, you already withheld the money. Don't make me go through the entire process of, ugh. I hate being, I hate being an adult, which is why I'm going to watch the fuck out of Young Jedi Adventures. Absolutely. You know what? Honestly, just get wasted. Like, just get wasted <laughs> and just watch that show, like, oh my non-ironically. God. Like, just watch it. Like, oh be God, like, wow, the plot is so I should, good. I should legitimately have a watch party. I that should would be really legitimately fun, have a watch. What day of the week is May the 4th? What Probably Wednesday. May Thursday. the 4th is a Thursday. Thursday? Okay. 
genuinely that weekend i might have a i might say everybody come over and we're all gonna have cocktails and we're gonna watch the young jedi adventures yeah Ooh, and then you can do like each cocktail can be a different lightsaber color because i saw in the picture the one uh girl she the, i think she's i don't know what alien she is but she's got a blue uh purple lightsaber she's so you can do a, like different i believe she is a pantoran she looks um, like yeah i wasn't she looks sure. like a pantoran which i just have pantorans on the brain for some reason yeah. this week she has a, a purple one that's and then like the boy the human boy apparently has like three different lightsaber colors of three different forms of media because he has a blue one uh, and then i guess somewhere else he has like yellow one so maybe i don't know i'm not thinking too hard about this show for literal fucking children that's probably like not you're gonna probably watch it for five minutes and be like okay that was cute and then like turn it off oh no i'm gonna watch the whole thing i'm gonna watch the whole thing and then be like oh that was cute and then turn it off i just love that they're actually dressed in like the high republic colors yeah like they didn't they didn't make the design of the show like oh it's the traditional jedi stuff they really like they're wearing the gold and white and like tan colors that the high republic jedi wear even yoda like he's in one of the the promotional photos he's he's wearing his like high republic get up like that's what he wears in the high republic so it's super funny that this is happening around the same time as uh high republic adventures that yoda's in or midnight horizon which are very funny it's just funny for me to think about um i'm i'm also very happy to get invested in content about younglings who i don't know are going to get fucking murdered in five minutes right yeah younglings arc from the clone wars that's so true i never thought of it that way yeah these people are clearly going to live out their well theoretically live out their lives their natural lives because as far as we know they will yeah i will i will be watching the shit out of this show just because that is who i am as a human person uh speaking of shows i'll be watching the shit out of and uh wiping out entire groups of people in order to uh form the rise of the empire the bad batch that was a great transition that was I a like, pretty good transition. There wasn't much of a leap there because that is the theme this week. <laughs> uh, we do have two things that we need to to address from previous episodes. Okay. Uh, I have one for you, Bradley, and then I have a generalized like fact okay. uh, that I'm going to share with some caveats because I found the fact really interesting, but I have to set some hard rules on, on discussing it. So the one I want to talk to about with you, Bradley, is uh, you mentioned, you were like, oh, is L3 the same as these Axis droids? And our friend Emily, at your weird aunt Emily, did let me know that no. L3 looks like a construction of like multiple different droids. She's a one of a kind droid. She's like put herself together from different droid parts. Mm. Like her head, her brain series, I'm looking at her, her Wikipedia page, her brain series module began as part of an R3 series astromech droid. And she's added some other stuff in there. So that is your answer. Uh, okay. L3 is not one of these, these things. She's one of a kind. I like it. Other thing that I, someone told me that I found really interesting. Let me pull it up. So you, you remember the flamethrower tanks? that I really fucking hated. And I was like, these are so dumb. These make no sense. Why would anyone do this? Well, it turns out that the United States military did do this. Hmm. The M16 flamethrower tank, also known as the M16 Zippo, was an actual tank that the the United States military used during the Vietnam War. Why am I not surprised? (laughs) 
Yeah, I was not either. I was uh, somebody reached out and they were like, hey, because my thing as a historian is I never usually go past about 1915. Like I'm, I'm never anything before 1915. I probably know a decent amount about you go past about World War One and that's a little close for me. Yeah. So I haven't done a lot of reading on the Vietnam War. So I had no idea that we actually did this. Like, we actually thought this was a good idea and did this. And we're not doing it anymore because they retired yeah. them from service. Also, it's um, dumb. <laughs> yes, it is dumb. Well, here's the caveat that I'm going to throw on, on this when I bring this up. I don't want to talk about the usefulness of the M67 flamethrower tank. And the reason I don't is because the M67 flamethrower tank was used against real people that actually exist. Right. Like, they made this thing to use on real human beings. No, I'm not going to talk about the effectiveness of the real tank that they used on real human people that's fucked up i will say it is retired and they're not using any sort of replacement but i did find it super interesting that i was like this tank is dumb it's overkill it's ridiculous why would you do this we did this we did this in vietnam because of course we did because if you know anything about the united states government in about the 60s and 70s you know we were basically throwing stuff at the wall just to see what what worked but yeah i found that super interesting so thank you to the person who sent that to me to let me know that this was a thing we actually did anyway on to less war crime stuff is is this a war is this episode a war crime this episode i do not think is technically a war crime okay it's just a conspiracy theory it's just a regular they... crime <laughs> There are regular crimes. Regular. Uh, Bradley, you want to take us into episode seven of season two, The Clone Conspiracy? Yes, this week, a conspiracy begins to unravel. Charles, what was one thing about this episode that you liked and one thing you did not? I'm going to invoke a card that I've only invoked once before, and that was with episode five of Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's correct. Everything, everything about this. Literally, I sat down to watch this episode. So here's the story. I sat down to watch this episode because I had said I'm not going to stay up late and watch both episodes. I've not done it for any of the other Bad Bat shows. I don't care enough. I haven't liked the second season of the show enough for me to justify staying up and suffering the next day. I had a bout of insomnia this particular night and I was lying in bed at around 11.50, 11.55 and I was like, I am not going to sleep anytime in the next 45 minutes to an hour. I might as well get up and watch this. I turned it on and within three minutes of the episode starting, I was like, holy fuck, this is the show I want. This, this is the Imperial Senate show I want. Like, this is, this is, like, this and Andor are that. That's the thing I want. I was sitting there, like, shocked as this conspiracy unraveled, and there was political dealings and attempted assassinations and, like, double crosses, and I'm like, I fucking love this. Like, this is everything I want out of this story. Like, they nailed it 100%. The only thing I disliked about this episode about the clone conspiracy episode was that Senator Chuchi's presence in the episode was spoiled by the thumbnail. 
when I went to go to the episode and hit it. So I actually like knew she was going to be in the episode and the central focus of the episode because she's in the thumbnail. I wish they'd have used a different thumbnail. But other than that, yeah, 10 out of 10, no notes. There's nothing I could think of that I disliked about this episode. Uh, this is just what I want. This is exactly what I wanted. Uh, what about you, Bradley? One thing you liked and one thing you did not. I, I have to agree with you. This is a fantastic episode. I was really sucked in early on. What I like a lot about this episode actually stems from something that happens in season one, which is they did a similar thing here, which was what they did with the last kind of time they did a double episode in season one in the midway point and that was the Ryloth kind of storyline and what I like about what they did with that plot was the first episode is kind of like it's setting up the problem or whatever thing is going to happen and then the second episode or the companion episode will be the Bad Batch coming in and i.e. fixing the problem or being a part of the story and I love how the format of these two episodes did that again because this one with all the stuff that they did in this episode you're right this like was a true like just political conspiracy episode like i just love that fucking shit so much like I almost want like scandal and Star Wars like it's kind of like a similar thing like all these different political leaders kind of backbiting and you know just all this stuff that they're doing anyway it was so good I love just the plot um I love the format of the episode one thing I didn't like ugh, it's so hard this uh, is why well, I just didn't bother yeah I, this might be okay this might be something you can explain to me later on when we get to the end I didn't quite understand the reveal of the quote-unquote evil clone trooper at the end we'll we'll get to that and you can maybe you can explain it to me more but for I, some reason I, the way they like revealed it and the way Rex reacted to the person or whatever I was like is that supposed to be Boba Fett like what is the why was I so also shocked? thought it was Boba Fett right up until they said it was wasn't that's why I was that's why I was confused I was like well well actually until he killed himself is when I was like oh Oh, that's clearly not Boba Fett. Like un until that point, I was like, this is Boba Fett. Like, that's why they're shocked. But anyway, we'll get to that when we get to it. But that was the one thing I didn't like. It was not very clear why Rex was so shocked that this was not a registered clone, I guess is what the point of it was. I don't know. Anyway, let's get into it. Yes, because there's a lot to get into in this episode, starting with the skyline in the opening shot. I mention every single week during our Who's Goddamn White Baby is that segment that I watch this in the dark on an HD TV, which, because I get a very clear picture quality. The very first shot of the episode, when it pops up in its Coruscant, took my breath away. I loved it so much. I was like, they animated that. That looks no different than a shot from Attack of the Clones. It's so true. Like, this this shot was the reason why this show was de delayed. They had to make sure this was perfect. And then they were like, now nah, let's push it a little bit more. Right. It's, it's all of this stuff. Because like when you actually see it on screen, you're like, oh my God, this is some incredible stuff. Yeah, it almost looks real to an extent. You're like, this is... Certain shots, certain yeah. shots, like there's shots of the mountain in season one when they're on Daro. Shots of the mountain. If you squint, if you show that to somebody and you're yeah. like, do you think this is real? They would be like, yeah, that's a real, real yeah, thing. Real. Just because how beautiful the animation is. But we zero in on a, a Coruscant Cantina. Now, Wikipedia calls this just a Coruscant Cantina. But I have been listening to multiple Clone Wars rewatch podcasts. <laughs> and so I went and double checked what cantina that is. That is 79. It is a clone cantina that we have seen in the Clone Wars before. 
Uh, most notably, we have seen it in the uh, Fives arc of the Clone Wars, where he's mm. on the run after discovering the conspiracy about the inhibitor chips. Ah, connection. So this, is a, this is a clone-specific bar that gotcha. they are at. Uh, although Cade and Slip, who are the two clone troopers that are talking, are both new, it's sort of implied one of them is the clone that we saw. Do you remember back when we made the observation, oh, those are clones that are firing on Kamino? Well, at least one of these two, if not both of them, are present in that scene. Right. Or is the one that they're talking to, Rampart's talking to in that scene. So Cade gets murdered. Of course. Uh, of course. And I like how after Cade gets murdered, this is really interesting. So all the clone troopers are like milling around. They're on shore leave. They're doing their thing. The minute Cade gets murdered, there's a bunch of clone troopers who like snap into combat mode immediately and are just like, weapons are out. We're in the right stance. We're covering our angles. These guys are so well trained. Like in this situation, you want a clone because of how well trained they are. I just loved that little detail that all of the clones around them, we don't see anybody else really doing it. Everybody else is reacting by like freaking out. I do like how the clones immediately, even off duty, step into like their training. My next Next note is seriously Coruscant is sick, which is in response to the the shot of the the Imperial Senate that we see. We and always also, love an Imperial Senate. We do, and also there's a shot later on. You could see like Venators hanging out in the background, like That's Venators right. they're, hanging they're out like over floating the in the sky. Yeah, they're like floating over the planet at all times. It's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. Okay, let's get through the Senate proceedings scene because oh boy, we have a lot to go with here. All right, Bradley, deep breath in and exhale. Let's talk about every fucking body in this scene. Okay, so, yeah, let's talk about every single representative. <laughs> the first person that we see is a senator named Ganny Reduli. Ganny Reduli is being voiced by someone who's voicing someone else in this scene. We'll get to him when we get to that person. Uh, but I find it interesting. Ganny Reduli is a Ishi Tib, I think. Let me double check. Ishi Tib. Yes, I was right. Haha, -ha. I'm super correct. <laughs> uh, Genny Reduli is an Ishi Tib, but they are representing the Intergalactic Banking Clan. And this is interesting because we've always really seen the Intergalactic Banking Clan be represented by Munes. You haven't watched the Clone Wars recently, but do you remember back when we watched the Gendi Tartakovsky Clone Wars? Yeah, they're like the skinny the white The weird guys, little banker right? guys, yeah, yeah. The guys with like the big heads. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. But they were separatists, guys. right? So that's why... They were. Well, yeah. so in Legends, uh, it was more clear that they were like on the separatist side. In canon, there's a whole arc in the Clone Wars about like banking clan working for like both sides, like they're giving loans to both sides. And Palpatine ends up in control of the banking clan. Those episodes, that arc, it's a three episode arc. I love all of the banking stuff in that arc. I hate everything else in that arc, <laughs> but I love the banking stuff in it the banking stuff is really good but yeah it gets more into like why is the inter intergalactic banking clan or even for that matter the trade federation or the commerce guild working with the separatists but they're also like they have representatives in the senate uh so clearly the munes have completely lost power in the intergalactic banking clan uh to the point where they now have an issue tip representative in the senate uh which i have some questions but i don't think we're going to get answers uh, we also learned that apparently everyone has been told that it is a st freak storm that destroyed 
the facilities on Camino. But right. we don't have time for that because we are moving on to the unidentified Commerce Guild Senator. They are a gossam. And again, they're being voiced by someone else who's in this scene who we will get to when, when we get, get there, to when I get that there. person. Because I want to talk to about them specifically. I do want to note one interesting thing, though, is that we, at this point, it's about a year after the events of Revenge of the Sith, we still have aliens in the Imperial Senate. Right, compared to Andor. Yep, compared to Andor. Now, Mon Mothma is not here, which mm. is a shame. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't include her time exp like expediting the plot people who show up later in the episode are necessary she wouldn't be she would be like a background detail i wish they had included her as like a background detail but They're even just standing in the background even just standing people. there yeah. like with with the rest of her caucus yeah. would have been neat but that's okay there's so much to like about this episode that i'm not even going to call that a thing i disliked right it's that's just, just something they could have done yeah it's the thing they could have done was put right. her in here but she might be on the other side of the room or she might be playing her cards a different way it's hard to yeah. say anyway the whole point is there are aliens here where we see that in andor there are not any which i think was an interesting note they do call the defense recruitment bell a conscripted military so charles gets to take a win on this one because i said it sounded like a draft it's a draft it's a draft it's a draft they're drafting people into the they're going to try to draft people into the military but there's no politics in star wars whatsoever moving on so one of the senators who's voicing objections to this bill is a senator named Tyrena pamlo bradley do you want to know who's playing senator Tyrena pamlo yes please Senator Terena Pamlo is being played by Sharon Duncan Brewster. Now, I, I know Sharon Duncan Brewster from one big place in particular, and we'll get to it. But other than that big place, she is most notable recently for being Dr. Liette Kynes in the Dune movie. Did you watch? You watched the Dune movie, right? I've, I've okay. seen it. She's, she's the doctor who's like with the Fremen who helps them escape. Okay, no, I, I said I saw it. I didn't say I comprehended anything okay. I saw in the movie. Okay. Like, I, so I saw for, it once. For people who have seen the movie and understood what the fuck they were looking at. Right. She's the doctor who helps them escape at the end of the movie. She was most recently in Enola Holmes 2 as Mira Troy. I haven't seen that yet, but I really want to. She's not been in a whole lot else that I recognize. She was in Doctor Who as, as Maggie Kane because fucking everybody was in Doctor Who. However, I most know her as, and Bradley will most recognize her as, having one or two lines in a movie called Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Ah, uh, yes. Where she is playing Senator Pamlo. So now we need her theoretically she's alive through up until andor she so needs to show up in a tv show and she will she have up, a star wars trifecta right, playing the same shows, character so she needs to show up in i, which I would I'm, say andor yeah that would be the which i'm calling an up. advanced an advanced star wars trifecta yeah so the star wars trifecta is you just appear in an animated show tv show or right and a, a live-action movie. Uh, the advanced trifecta is you do this with all three characters. All three characters, right. Well, all the same three with the same character. So right. she is being in a live-action TV show away from getting the advanced trifecta because she has played Pamlo in Bad Batch and Rogue One. Right. I don't think we know too much about the character. 
She does go to Coruscant to denounce the Death Star before fucking off, which I do think is cool and rad, but we don't know too much about her. So that is who is playing her. I find it interesting she mentions the insurgents that are popping up. Now, I think it's supposed to be implied that this is like the beginnings of the Rebel Alliance. The thing is, we're way too early for that. So I think right. more likely we're dealing with all of those groups that Saw Gerrera mentions in Andor. You have a bunch of disparate cells that are like just popping up locally, like Saw Gerrera's group, the Partisans, the Neo-Republicans, the cultists, all of these that are the localized rebellions that are popping up, particularly in the Outer Rim, uh, I think is what she is referring to. However, we don't have a lot of time to speculate on that because Bail Organa is here. Bail Organa, the role being reprised by Phil Lamar, who voiced Bail Organa in both Rebels and Clone Wars. Phil Lamar, we have mentioned him on the show before. He has 529 acting credits. All of them Star Wars. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but i mean he's got a good chunk of star wars credits uh if you go to his like Wikipedia he's got a page, chunk yeah. of star wars yeah it's star mostly wars. clone wars but he's got all, he's got rebels and book of boba fett so he's specifically he's, he's in there spe yeah he's in book of boba fett also he is the voice of jar jar binks in episodes where ahmad best is not reprising the role because ahmad best was going through some really dark mental health stuff at the time as far as his relationship with jar jar binks so as a favor, Phil Lamar stepped in and provided some of the voice of Jar Jar Binks, but as a favor to Ahmad Best, so as not to over overshadow him, he was credited as BJ Hughes in those oh. episodes. Interesting. Moving on to the other senator, because actually, no, before we get to the, the final senator, uh, we need to talk about the the chief of staff chief of i think it's chief of staff I, yeah, I don't even know what his role is i'm not looking it up masa meta is here gotcha masa meta being voiced by legendary star wars voice actor steven stanton uh who has been in the bad batch before as admiral Tar he's the voice of admiral tarkin in basically everything except rogue one he's in rogue one as the voice of admiral radis uh, he's in Book of Boba Fett. He's in Rebels as Ben Kenobi. This man is everywhere in Star Wars. He has done so many things. Also, my next note is also lol, the Emperor didn't show up. He's too busy. He's watching Netflix. We we raised this point in Andor. He never fucking shows up. He for doesn't the show up to work. And it gets so bad that like Masa Meta is still here. Like he's still showing up. By the time of Andor, Masa Meta is not even bothering to show up. Also, uh, what's uh, what's the bald lady's name? She's not showing up either. Uh, Slymore. Slymore. She, yeah, she's not bothering to show she's up. She's on maternity leave. Oh my god, Tri <laughs> Triclops is not a thing. Watch Triclops show up in Andor. He's not I gonna show you. up. I'm he's telling not, you, bro. Fuck you, Bradley. No. That would be so fuck funny. That's why off. she's not fuck here. Off. She's on maternity leave, y'all. Oh my even, god. Even the fuck Galactic off. Empire has maternity leave, okay? Like... Yeah, it's Triclops is is the the biological the kid, yeah. son is the biological son in Legends. It uh, you know, we don't have time to get into all of that. Yeah, no, no, uh, no. it'll Slimor take too long. is also not here. Right, she's busy at dinner parties with uh, Perrin Firtha. Fuck Perrin Firtha, you are my enemy. If you want to hear me complain at length about Perrin Firtha, I was just on an episode of Fulcrum Transmissions all about Mon Mothma, where uh, Sage and Claire and I talked about Mon Mothma for an hour. Damn. And we mentioned that uh, Mon Mothma should get Amelyn Holdo to be her divorce lawyer, because Laura Dern played the divorce lawyer in Marriage Story. I'm right, and you know it. Anyway, Rio Chuchi shows up. Now, Bradley, I don't know, do you remember Rio Chuchi? 
she's really only Clone Wars specific, and it's been a while since you've seen it. So did you remember who the, this person is? I didn't remember who she was. I just visually remember her from the show. Like, I obviously, I was like, oh, she's clearly from Clone Wars. But I didn't remember, like, anything about her other than, like, I feel like she had some stuff with Padme. But that was about it. Like, I don't yeah. really remember anything. Yeah, she's like a Senate character. Um, very idealistic Senate character from Clone Wars. She's very popular with fans of the Clone Wars. But she hasn't really shown up in anything out side of that. Rio Chuchi is being voiced by Jennifer Hale. If you are just joining us for the Bad Batch and you do not know Jennifer Hale's resume, she has 472 acting credits. Everyone fucking knows her as the voice of uh, the female Commander Shepard in the Mass Effect games, but she is also fucking everywhere. Not even going to bother to list off her non-Star Wars stuff besides she's Commander Shepard. In Star Wars, she is most famous for being the voice of Bastila Shan in Knights of the Old Republic, and then later Satil Shan in the Old Republic MMO. She's also the voice of Ayla Sakura and, again, Ryo Chuchi in The Clone Wars. Uh, she's in The Freemaker Adventures. She has a brief appearance in Rebels. She's uh, Valak in Resistance. Uh, she is also one away from a disney advanced disney trifecta because in star wars episode 9 the rise of skywalker she's the voice of ayla sakura hmm. i'm giving it i'm giving it to her she's in a live action movie playing the same character as she played in animation but she it's doesn't not, visually show up she doesn't visually show up i don't know if i can count but that. that's she's a technicality in the movie. she's in the movie playing that's the a, same character i'm gonna say technicality on that one that's the technicality i'm i'm still giving it to her mm. i'm still giving it to her mm. we'll see i'm still giving it to her yep so jennifer hale's been fucking everywhere she's the voice of rio chuchi in this and that is pretty much our, our various credits, uh, because a lot of people double up in this episode. Phil Lamar, Bail Organa is playing the uh, Senator Reduli. Jennifer Hale, who voices Senator Chuchi, is also playing the Commerce Guild Senator. So there's a lot of doubling up in this episode. So after the Senate scene, Chuchi goes and talks to like the clone veterans that are in uh, 79s. And this is a point I have in my notes. Oh, so this story is about veterans being poorly treated. Yeah, this 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 whole entire episode was like we're here's what the the surface level thing is about, but really we're talking about something else. The whole really we're time. talking about how the government <laughs> fails veterans that it asks right. to fight in its wars. Oh, absolutely. Particularly yeah. the aftermath of the Iraq War, uh, the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan in the two thousands, uh, and how badly a lot of the veterans of that conflict have been treated since they got home. Uh, especially since the Clone Wars is a allegory in a lot of ways for the war in Iraq and Afghanistan in the 2000s. However, Star Wars is not political. There are no politics in Star Wars. This is definitely not what this is about. Uh, this one group of people who were sent to fight and die for the interests of... They're not even represented in the Senate. Right. There's a whole a point entire class made, of people that are not represented. A whole entire <laughs> class of people not represented in, in government. 
not represented in the interests of the government who are being just casually discarded mm -hmm. and they've been trained to do this one specific thing my next note is talking about how one of the clones remarks that we're not trained to think about the future and rio chuchi's like you need to start because they were told don't think about that your job is to fight and die that is it yeah and it's it's such a weird concept to think about because on the one hand they're obviously people and they need rights right so like that's interesting but they on the other side of that coin they are have advanced aging acceleration so they will die in a few years regardless how well they're and that's, treated like that's it's the crazy. empire's that's the empire's logic is they're going to die in like a decade and a half two decades anyway why the fuck right. should we care because they're why real actual people it's, There's it's, it's living insane. people that you sent out to fight and die. And Rio Chuchi is the only one. Even Bail Organa seems more interested in fighting the, the Empire than dealing with the clone thing. He's yeah. not really, his, his issue is more the Imperial overread. He's not as interested, although he supports Rio Chuchi, he's not as interested. She really is the only one who's being like, can we maybe like ask the clones? Right, because all the other senators seem to think like, this is a lost cause. Why do you even care? Because we're not going to have to worry about this in 10 to 15 years. So this is not this is a non-issue because it, we have more important things that we need to deal with now than we do fucking clones. It's like, hey, the war is over. Maybe we should stop doing the military thing. And Rio Chuchi's like, hey, what if the military was like made up of real people that you're actively screwing over? Imagine fucking that. <laughs> How she not lose her fucking shit earlier in the uh, on, on all these people is beyond me. Her resolve is much stronger than I am. I do like that the clone. We can hear the clone theme playing in the background once again. There will be several points where I will shout out the music. Uh, shout out to Kevin Kiner for the fucking banger music in this. My God. Anyway, it's time for whose goddamn white baby is that? Uh, the part of the show where I, a white person, tell you how badly it looks like they fucked up the skin tones on my HDTV in the dark, which is about the best way you can watch this. And this one also, continuing from the last one, I think it's because they're mostly, the clones are mostly in the dark. They're either at night or they're inside 79s or they're in like that dark alley. I didn't really have a point this episode where I looked at any of the clone characters and was like, you're super pale. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even honestly, I forgot about that segment this whole entire episode because of like, yeah, it was they so did a yeah. pretty good job with this one. Again, I've mentioned before that the issue is, you know, ethnocentric features and there's issues with the skin tone. But like just looking at it in my limited perspective as a white person who is trying to be critical of this aspect of the show. This one I looked at and I was like, you could have done better, but you could have done a whole lot worse with this one, too. Like, good job. I'm yeah. I'm pretty Im impressed. The last few episodes have been lighting really yeah. well yeah. to, like, get it a little bit better. So And and this does feed into my theory that this is the point where they this were able to This is the point where changes. they started, yeah, yeah, yeah. that the, they, they <laughs> might have. It's I kind of like that. I, I think you're on to something, too, with the fact yeah. that the early episodes were already picture locked and delivered when they were like, mm, we need to go back. Yeah, and it would have cost too much money to go back. And do, well, I mean, not more, that they don't have a billion dollars. Not that but, they don't you know. have all the money. It probably right. was an issue of them being picture locked and delivered. And now we're right. getting to a point where they're starting to to be able to go in and make those tweaks, because I was also we'll talk about the Bad Batch in what will probably be the next episode. But that was that was my impression watching this this was the moment where i was like oh yeah no they're pretty pretty good in this episode mm -hmm. i'm pretty okay with with that and of course it's not always my call to make but just me watching and being like did they fuck this up super bad 
not super bad this episode. Uh, Slip gives his number as CT0409. That is a reference to Clone Wars Season 4, Episode 9, which is during the Umbara arc of the show. Do you remember the Umbara arc of the show, Bradley? Not a clue. So briefly for Bradley and our listeners who haven't recently rewatched the Clone Wars like I have, the Umbara arc was one of the darkest episodes, one of the darkest arcs of the show. It's an arc where Rex and the 501st are placed under the command of a Jedi general named Pong Krell to try to take Umbara. Pong Krell is a clone racist and a piece of shit who throws clones into the meat grinder to die because he doesn't see them as people. And the clones have to confront the whole we are just following orders thing versus, hey, this person is not treating us like human people. They are sending us out to die for literally no reason. Fuck Pong Krell. Everyone hates Pong Krell. It's one of the few things we all agree on. No one likes Pong Krell because that guy sucks. That's what, what this might be a reference to with the clone number 0409. So I thought that was cool. I yeah. Rio Chuchi gets like t- takes like a meeting in her office where she's standing in her office. I just want to shout out her office is fucking gorgeous. Like I love this office. I do believe it's it's either this scene or the next scene. I don't really remember because I took the note on it. They wiped out the majority of the Kaminoan population. The Empire. Yeah, I, do they bring that up in the second episode more? Or do they talk about it here? They bring it up in the second episode more, but they talk about it here. They mention the majority of the population was wiped out and there's a couple left. But we also saw that the cloning facilities were empty when the Empire bombed them. Right. So like, where were they? They were getting executed aboard the Venators. Or they were being mm. executed after the or before the fact and left on Camino. So the Empire, rather than leave them there when there was a chance they might have escaped, uh, chose to simply execute them all, which is mm. extremely fucked up. The yeah, Empire I, is bad. I don't know if we've worked out that the Empire is, I don't know. is bad. Yeah, I, I quite haven't made my decision on whether or not the Empire <laughs> is bad. But you know what? Maybe a couple more movies and TV shows later, I'll decide. Maybe maybe they'll demonstrate <laughs> a little more effectively for you that the Empire is bad. Uh, we certainly aren't calling our foot soldiers of the Empire a specific term that definitely will not come up in the next episode. Anyway, God, I love this fucking ominous music that plays all the time during these episodes. Oh, no, I think it's in the Rampart. I believe it's in the Rampart scene that they bring up mm. that most of the coming out were wiped out. Right, because she's talking about like, or he's talking about how I wasn't there because I, was I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I'm like, oh, I'm so sad. I couldn't be there. Rampart. I like how he also he goes out of his way to be like, if I was there. I could have prevented this disaster. Like, why just you? That's, versus... that's a thing that liars do. Yeah, is they're isn't like, that weird? They, they'll, they'll make like this big show about how guilty they are of, oh, if I had only been there, I could have saved all of these people. You lying motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Piece of shit. So here's an itch. So you want to know something interesting about the droid that Bail Organa sends? Uh, that droid is designation R2C4. R2C4, there are three of them. Oh, okay. Wouldn't there be four of them since it's C4? I'm just kidding. (laughs) There's not a fourth yet. There are, according to Wikipedia, three R2C4s. Okay. Now, I have a conspiracy theory about these R2C4s because the three appearances of the three R2C4s are, one, an astrobect droid with the designation R2C4 appeared in The Phantom Menace, not one of the droids that looks like that gets destroyed. They did not get destroyed. This is important. The R2C4 that appears in the Bad Batch, 
and then the R2C4 that appears in Resistance later on, working for the Resistance and Leia Organa. So my theory is that this is the same R2C4 with multiple paint jobs. That makes sense, because otherwise people are really lazy in naming their droids. Yep, so R2C4 <laughs> would have started out working for Padme Amidala and the Royal right. Naboo Security Forces, and eventually was acquired by Bail Organa and repainted. And then Bail Organa eventually passed the droid down along to his daughter, who also repainted the droid. Right. My theory is it's the same droid. Yeah, just keep it in the family. Why not? I like it. So... That's my theory about R2-C4. I don't know why they couldn't just use R2-D2. Yeah, because yeah, he has R2-D2 at this point, so why wouldn't he just use R2-D2? I don't like, know why they didn't use R2-D2 in this scene. And also, it would be such an easy little cameo that doesn't even have to mean anything. Like, it's just like, oh, he just happens to have R2-D2. Like, it's just, you don't even have to explain it. Possibly because there's like a 0% chance that R2-D2 would like consent to being a, a boring messenger droid. Mm, that's true. He probably doesn't use him for... Well, how old is Leia at this point? Leia is like one or two years old. Okay, so she's not even like a thing right now. Okay, so then, yeah, I don't... Yeah, maybe he's just only on his I, ship. I guess it's because they didn't want to spoil the reveal that it's Bail Organa, but also like it's fucking Bail Organa. Yeah, you can, no You can ruin there. that. 30 seconds before you're going to reveal it that she's secretly meeting with Bail Organa because you put him in the first scene of the episode. We know he's here. Yeah, it's not like there's a suspense there where we're like, oh, Bail Organa is secretly working with the Resistance. Like, we already know this. So, yeah, that's not that interesting. I find it interesting that Bail Organa brings up the notions that systems like might revolt the same as the Separatists and the Empire is going to crack down on that. Yeah. Because it does make sense with everything we've seen, particularly with Andor, how we see mm -hmm. that Andor eventually, like, eventually, we see it with Ferex, basically, that, that they're right. content to let Ferex do their own thing because Ferex isn't rocking the boat. And then Ferex rocks the boat and we see what happens because the Empire has no tolerance for that. So I just found that idea really, really interesting. Cut to Rampart having a conversation in his office with a mysterious figure that I absolutely thought was Boba Fett. Yeah, why, why? Okay, can we talk about why that would be a better plot line than So here's here's my thing. Here's my thing about it. There is this show is about what happens to the clones after the Clone Wars and how we get down to there only being three of them that they find on the ATTE in Rebels. Part of the mystery, the overarching plot is what did they do with the clones that were left? Mm -hmm. So there's this clone who is new to service, knows who Rex is, but doesn't have any identifying markers and has basically been brainwashed into serving the Emperor. That the clone calls himself a believer, uh, that he does the suicide capsule thing at the end. So that's part of the overarching mysteries is what are they doing to these clones? Because remember all the way back in season one, they included that scene of the clone kids. And the clone kids being like, we're going to be soldiers, right? And the Kaminoans being like, absolutely. I think this is what that meant. That they gotcha. are taking the remaining clones to facilities and they're going to basically brainwash them to be have no personalities of their own. Right, just be and, assassin And that's going to be the final phase out. And then they're going to just, they're, they're using the resources they have left. Also, if not Boba Fett, this could have just been cross easily crosshair. Clearly an assassin sniper person that still is technically loyal like that would not is that not crosshair like i, I don't understand <laughs> why wasn't it crosshair uh because crosshair is in doubt 
Remember and the then, conversation that Crosshair and Rampart have at the end of episode three? They're right. starting to even doubt Crosshair's loyalty. The thing with Crosshair, remember we talked about how Crosshair's loyal to the Empire, but the Empire's not loyal to him. Pushing him aside. He's going just like the other clones. And that's right. the thing with like being a minority group in fascism, that if you support it, like if you support the rise of an authoritarian government that hates your people specifically, because you think if I'm loyal to them, I will be fine. Right. That is wrong. You are going to be treated just like everyone else in your group, in your marginalized group, because the people in power will never see you as anything but one of them, one of the, the group that you're a part of. And that's the point that's being made here, is that they don't see Crosshair as someone who's loyal to them. They see him as, oh, he's just another clone. We're going to treat him like all the others, even though Crosshair is like, I'm better and I'm superior to the other clones. The Empire doesn't give a shit. But Star Wars is not political. Never. Never. Also, speaking of political, why does Rampart tell the assassin, like, okay, if Chuchi gets in the way, just kill her? Because, like, she's obviously a nuisance to me right now. But killing a senator or representative of the Senate, that's like a huge, like, deal, red flag. That's like, why would you go out? Like, oh, she accidentally got shot one day in the back alleys of Coruscant. Oh, dear. Like... So let's imagine for for a moment that they this clone does successfully assassinate the senator. How easy do you think it would be for Rampart to be like, well, this clone went rogue and attacked the senator. There was nothing we could do. We clearly need to phase out the clones because she was uh, the one advocating for them. And they took her out. The clones right. are dangerous and violent and we can't trust them. We need That's to phase true. them out and have our conscripted military. Like Palpatine uses a version of the same thing at the end right. of the next episode to be like, yeah, they're incredibly yeah. dangerous and we yeah, need we to can't trust them, them anymore. Yeah. Okay. So, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. That, They'd that spin it sense. somehow. Yeah. They have a whole scene in an alleyway and her guards get taken out. And I literally, my note for this whole sequence, it's about a, a five minute sequence. I stopped taking notes because I was caught up in the episode again. Yeah. It was so good. I like it. It's just it. so good. It's good. It's, it's tightly plotted. It's incredibly tense. The bit where they're in like, the factory or the water, the processing plant or whatever, it's so fucking weird and dark and scary and it's ugh, so good. Anyway, they go to Trace Martez's garage, which I thought was a nice touch. Okay. They go to the Martez sisters' garage. Bradley, I don't know how long it's been since you've seen season seven, but you remember the Martez sisters from Bad Yeah, Batch. I didn't know that's where they were. I just That's where they were. They're in yeah. Trace Martez's garage. Okay, cool. Which Rex clearly seems to use when the Martez sisters aren't around as a safe house. Nice, uh, okay. The entire scene with the clone is very creepy. We talks about being a true believer. Yeah. And like, clearly he is super brainwashed. Uh, and then does like the Mando electrocution capsule. And that's where the episode ends. I mean, but see, okay, this was the part where I was so confused at the end of the episode because I genuinely thought this was Boba Fett by the way they were describing him. They were like, it, it also took me any... a long time to figure out it wasn't Boba Fett. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, okay, if this is Boba Fett, like that's that's a great twist and that's an interesting way to keep him in the show. But then I was also like, wait a minute, it's not Boba Fett because he's I just think I think we're meant I think we're <laughs> meant to think that it's not Boba Fett because when Rex opens the helmet up, we see that the clone the minute that started my wheels turning and oh this is not Boba Fett is that they have a military regulation haircut. 
And Boba Fett has never had a military regulation haircut. He has always had kind of long, longer hair when he's younger because he's very big on, I'm different than the clones because I'm unaltered. I am not subjugated to the same training. I am an actual human person who just happens to be a clone of Jango Fett, which is his attitude towards it. Right, right, it right, over right. and over again in the Clone Wars, uh, particularly his debut episode where he tells that other clone cadet to like fuck off because they're not the same. So that was our first clues because they have a military regulation haircut. But gotcha. yeah, this is not Boba Fett. This is a, a young clone who knows who Rex is, but they don't have like an identifying number. They don't have any tattoos. They don't have anything that could identify. Their individuality has been stripped away so far. Gotcha. Okay. That that they don't even have an identifier. They're just a tool. But Bradley, you know who is not brainwashing younger clones uh, to serve a fascistic government? Please let us know. The Anchor app, whose advertisement will run in the toy. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> look, look, I, I've been listening to a lot of Behind the Bastards. I love this bit, so I'm going to keep doing it every chance I get because it's constantly funny. And I also like to point out that Anchor is the only company that will still sponsor us. I'm trying to future-proof this show, and so every time you I mention don't give Anchor, a shit. how funny is it going to be? Let's just say, Natty, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just throwing this out there. It, when we're long gone, and this is still on the internet forever, because the internet is forever, it'll never go away, theoretically. What Somebody's going to go, what the fuck is Anchor? Like, <laughs> well, like Anchor, 50 years Anchor from now, viewers, they're going to go, what the fuck is Anchor? Anchor right. viewers is the company, uh, or the app, rather, uh, on which this podcast is is published and they right. will never wipe out an entire population of scientists and engineers purely to phase out an older iteration of the military so they can bring it directly under their control. I can give you my personal guarantee that this is a thing the Anchor app would never do. <laughs> cue, cue the ad. Oh my god. Welcome back, everybody. We are now going to begin our coverage of episode eight titled Truth and Consequences. The Bad Batch is brought into a risky mission and must use stealth to survive. Charles, what is one thing you liked about this episode and one thing you did not? Christ, we are just going straight into this. No, no, no foreplay, no loop, No foreplay, just straight right in. in. Yep, just the way the Batch likes it. <laughs> Christ, I hate you so much. E for explicit podcast, people. Let's go. One thing I really liked about this episode, I really liked basically all the stuff with Omega and Rio Chuchi. I thought that was an interesting team up to do. That was neat. One thing that I didn't like overall about this episode, and I think this is a problem with the first half of the season overall. I think that this could have landed a little better. The first time I watched this episode, Echo leaving seems to come out of nowhere. And I was like, wait, what? Which is the reaction Omega has, but I do wish that we've gotten some seeds of that. We only really have one or two conversations uh, earlier in the season to sow the seeds that Echo might actually leave. So I do wish we'd gotten a little more build up to that. Uh, another thing that I disliked about this episode, and it's not about the episode itself, but I also have to bring it up. I do wish that Palpatine had not been in the trailer. Yeah, I think I do I wish the you. moment yeah. where he'd showed up would have been a lot stronger if he hadn't been in the trailer. Because he doesn't show up and really, he does things, his appearance is less of a shock. 
What about you, Bradley? One thing you liked and one thing you did not. So I like this episode for the sheer fact that I, I felt entertained the whole time. Like there was nothing where I felt like a lull. You know, this was a pretty action heavy episode. So I felt like they really kept us going throughout the episode. And it was a nice continuation of the episode before it because it felt like, like I said, for the break, I said, you know, the, the format of the episode is here's the problem without the Bad Batch. Now let's introduce the Bad Batch to really tie it all together. And I thought, you know, this was a great way to have them in it without being... Being like, okay, they're not doing anything the whole entire time in the previous episode because they could have easily lazily written this to where like, oh, let's show a few episodes of Omega and them and like just kind of chilling, waiting for the call, you know, and then as filler and they didn't do that, which was great. What I didn't like about the episode... <sighs> Honestly, I, I I think I agree with you. I think the the echo stuff, like it was a little too sudden. I have a conspiracy theory later on when we get to the farewell, you know, kind of scene about what this means and what it all like ties together as and why it's so sudden. But we'll get there when we get there. But that uh, I, I have a, I have a conspiracy theory. I, I like how like all the words are tying together. The last episode was called conspiracy, and now it's truth and consequences. And also, I have a conspiracy about why this is called consequences. So there. We go let's let's get into it because okay, I have yeah. all these let's, let's get into the episode because this is already going to be a monster uh for yeah. people to listen to on monday it's going to be a monster for me to run my check on on sunday little behind <laughs> the scenes peak listeners so the way that our production pipeline works is that bradley edits the we record the episode bradley edits the episode and then i listen to it the next day so sometimes he'll get the episode out if we're recording on like thursday or friday he'll get the episode out on like saturday in our shared drive and I'll listen to it on Saturday, but a lot of times it's Sunday that that'll happen. Uh, so I will now have to listen to this entire thing back because I also need to take notes for where do I want to make the TikToks. So that's where I do that. So this is going to be a monster for him to edit. And this is going to also be a monster for me to have to go back and listen to, especially since uh, I don't think we tangented too much in the first half. There we, were a couple, I don't think we could. We, I mean, we honestly. We really didn't. Once the show yeah. got going, yeah, we really didn't tangent too much. Um, we, haven't, we haven't gone off on a thing for Bradley to try to convince me to watch the Wolf Pack, which I will do. However, I have been talked into watching the Winchesters, which I need to start. And I'm also working on watching Elite and also rewatching Game of Thrones. I'm on season four, so I can listen to the audio drama. Oh, so like wow. my TV dance card is getting full up. No, di no digressions like that. Right. Oh, and actually, fun fact real quick before we really get into the episode. I, you know how I jokingly told you the other day, I was like, hey, the the kid from um, Wolfpack is going to be in Atlanta. And I, I just said for press, I didn't like quite understand. He just said on his tweet, like, oh, I'm going to be in here for press. And I didn't quite understand what it was. You know what they're fucking here for? And I'm not going to say the name, but they're here for a certain get together at a local university that we may or may oh, not have Oh, for God's to. sake. And oh, that's for what, God's that's sake. what they're here for. And I was like, what the fuck? They were here. Oh. And Sarah Michelle Geller was also here in Atlanta for the oh, same Oh, they're reason. here for that. Yes. Oh, my I had God, no that. idea. And oh, I was like, God, shit, I could have gone to that. Oh, my God. I could have gone. Wow. And I didn't know. I Because I totally forgot. I don't even think about that, any the festival anymore. So I just completely was like. You know, one time, and it was a class we were in together. I don't know if you remember this. One time I got so mad at the other students in the class that I stormed out so hard that I stormed out of town. There was an incident surrounding this this uh, festival yeah. where some of the students were protesting something 
about the way it was run right and they got the concession that they wanted and then they kept going and i got so annoyed with it that i told everybody to fuck off stormed out of the room and then proceeded to storm all the way to the other side of the state for a weekend because i was so annoyed yeah wow okay yeah, yeah. That so is now it really... all makes sense now it all makes sense okay makes sense. yep okay bradley and i don't uh don't drop our alma mater's name a lot but you you could pretty easily figure out this episode <laughs> speaking of celebrities um speaking we have a return uh... Omega is, we open up, Omega is meditating. There's some nice stuff going on. Who gives a fuck? No one cares because Gonky is finally here. Speaking of celebrities, I was going to say Gonky shows back up. Uh, were you were you thrilled or what i was delighted he hasn't seen it yet oh he doesn't know he doesn't know he doesn't oh wow he's really gonna be shocked he's gonna be shocked here's the thing he is on vacation right now oh okay he is really busy and he is not he doesn't watch these things by himself but i also know that he's not talking to people about so he doesn't know he still doesn't know okay the only thing he knows is what i posted on facebook about these episodes being some of the best animation stars Wars is done and up there with the lawless and twilight of the apprentice for me so he has absolutely no idea anything about the episodes except i think they're really good that's crazy okay well that's gonna be such a fun reveal for him because he's gonna get through the whole first episode and be like wow that was really good and like a nice episode all of a sudden gonky's Gonky's here (laughs) gonky's here and if nothing will redeem this episode for him other than if he he even hates this episode he's gonna be like well gonky was in it so it was a 10 out of 10 i mean that's the way it is for me gonky's back and therefore it's a 10 out of 10 right uh it is good to see gonky again they were conspicuously right. absent from the first half of the season but gonky is here now he is back uh i like that omega is picking up like things from people she's encountered like this is because it's a very child thing to do like when you're right. an adolescent you're growing up and you pick up things from people so she's picked up things from sid she's picked up things from fee from the batch and now she's picked up something from gunji mm. that gunji kind of taught her how to meditate and she's like oh eh, this isn't really working for me because i'm not force sensitive yeah i don't know if i loved that they because that was such a fun theory and i don't love that they like basically confirmed that she's not which doesn't change the character for me like it doesn't matter if she was or she wasn't but it was such a fun like oh maybe she's force sensitive like that's why she's different you know kind of thing there's still little hints that she might be like she gets bad feelings about things but also like as win on for light and dice would say that's your spacer's gut developing Mm, so rather yeah maybe maybe she just hasn't developed developing right she just hasn't developed yet we don't we don't know maybe maybe there's still hope she could have the force she could have a spacer's gut we don't know no, we know what Wen would say, but we don't know. Anyway, everyone should go listen to For Light and Dice, uh, the TTRPG actual play podcast set in the High Republic era. Uh, we're in our second story arc, and it's getting absolutely fucking batshit wild. That was my plug for For Light and Dice. I was going to say, I'm contractually yeah. obligated to do yeah. every episode. Pause. So originally I took my notes as though we were going to do two separate episodes. So I had two separate whose goddamn white baby is this sections. Uh, I'm not going to do a whole nother section again, but I will say the Bad Batch to me is looking a little bit better. Tech is still the worst, but even in this episode, tech seems to be getting better. Gotcha. That that was my observation. Even Omega, I noted there's some points where Omega's in direct sunlight. And particularly when her hair is covered, when the blonde hair is covered. Yeah, she's she's looking a little bit better in that sunlight. Yeah, I, I you know, and I, I did say that that was my 
my theory that the lighter the hair, the lighting on the face is going to lighten up for some reason. And just maybe based on the way they do the yeah, animation or the lighting in the computer. But I don't know if you I, said that on the show, but you have mentioned to me that you think that one of the, the issues with Omega is that right. she has the blonde hair. Right. And it it's makes a her factor. look. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes her look lighter when you can see that. Right. But at least this time she had the hat on and when she was in direct sunlight, pretty okay. Again, as I said in part one or the earlier part of this episode, not uh, not 100% there, but definitely more there than it was even earlier in the season. I just, I, I mentioned it at the top as my thing that I liked, but I have to reiterate the note. I just love the Omega and Rio Chuchi Senate show. I'm telling Everything you, yeah, about we good. this scene where they go into the Senate and Rio Chuchi's giving Omega like the speech of, you know, the generic, like you go into the state legislature and, and some state senator gives your class a tour of it. This is where we show up to debate major important matters. And Omega's like, where's the fun for the clones? Oh, there is no one for the clones. Well, that's fucking stupid. Yeah, uh, Omega, I, didn't you know clones I, aren't people? Clones aren't people here. <laughs> They're I love just that whole droids. Scene. Well, I love that whole scene where they like go into the Senate pod and I love how Omega's later on going to be the one to convince someone to testify. Like everything about these episodes I love. They're so good. Everything about them is good. This is the show I I want 16 episodes of this. Ugh, I'm so Luke Del Rey. Hello. I am here. I will write this as a book. Give me an Imperial Senate show book. Like, I can write this stuff. You just call it the West Senate. Yes. Uh, the West, the West Senate, the West Building or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. West Coruscant. I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> Though, we do have this sequence where Rampart, like, approaches Chuchi and Omega's right there. And it got me thinking, does Rampart know who Omega is? So I he went back and thought about it. To and react. the answer is no. Yeah, he doesn't Because remember, react. Omega was a secret that the Kaminoans kept. But she was no on, told him. but she was there. Like she was walking around. It wasn't like anybody was like, no, she wasn't. Cause she was gone before Rampart showed up. And when she oh, came back to Camino, okay. Rampart doesn't know what happened because remember Crosshair lied in his report. Right. So Crosshair did not tell Rampart about Omega. Interesting. Yeah. So he just thinks she's just a random little girl. He's just like, like a random little kid that's following Rio Chuchi around. Which I'm assuming, I guess a lot of senators must have like little, you know, like they have like aides and pages yeah, aids, and yeah. things that will, yeah. like Padme has her handmaidens. Um, right. Other senators have like assistants and things that follow them around. Yeah, I guess it's not that weird to see It's her. not that weird for there to be just like a random kid. Also, it leads credence to the fact that Either she's so young, she doesn't look like the other clones, or like she just doesn't even vaguely look like the clones to other people at this right. point. Like she just like if they see her in the wild or out in town or something like that, they're not going to immediately go, oh, that's clearly right. a clone kid. Like, you know, so she looks different enough. Clearly, Omega knows who Rampart is. Right. She gives him dirty because... looks. Yeah, because she's giving him dirty looks and I thought she was going to say something. So clearly she knows who he is. But yeah, he doesn't know who she is. My next note is LMAO, they still think the Senate has power. <laughs> Just because by the time of Andor, well, the Senate has some power. It is diminished heavily by the time of Andor, and the Senate is outright useless by the time of a new hope right. where we we see that the emperor has dissolved the council permanently the regional governors will now have direct control of their systems so i thought that was funny that by this point they're still sort of pretending the they still have power when let's be real they they don't they really don't 
Right. Uh, the emperor is already starting to consolidate power under himself. And then, holy shit, Omega has met Bail Organa. That was cool. Yeah, I keep, I like how they keep throwing in this theme, or I don't even know if it's a theme, but just like Omega keeps meeting these prominent people throughout Star Wars history and like that we know later on that show up later. And now you can go back and watch those films or those TV shows and stuff and you can be like, Omega's met that person before. Omega's met that person before. Omega's, Omega's met, met that Fennec person Shand. before. Right. Omega's like, met Bail Organa. Omega has met uh, Captain Rex. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised in a couple years if they do like a random thing where it's like Omega babysits Leia Organa. <laughs> I believe it. Omega has met Harrison Dula, uh, Gunji. Yeah, everybody. Met all these people. She's like the who's who of Star Wars. Like she knows everyone she in, the, really in is. the world. Like she she knows everybody. Every every town I found has like this one gay, yeah. usually an older one, who like knows every body and that's their thing is like everyone has met this one like gay man everyone in the everyone amongst gay men has all met this one gay man we all know who this person is and like everything is central and they'll just pop up in random places that's omega to me yeah Omega's omega just gonna, sort of I, pops up it's like yeah i i know I... x person i've met senator hallie former senator hallie bertoni who we will get to in a second she also knows cad bane she knows she like, knows cad bane. Uh, like i'm just now i'm thinking in the back of my mind like wow she knows everybody and like if she, she randomly ends bane, up Lama showing so. up later on like she's gonna be like oh yeah remember that time where me and fennec shan went to the store like you know what i mean <laughs> like she's like all kinds of stuff i love that i love that <laughs> speaking of senator hallie bertoni senator hallie bertoni is uh the senator that bail organa says that rio chuchi should talk to do you remember hallie bertoni at all bradley not a clue i was like who is this old do ass? you recognize the name <laughs> halliburton halliburton no you might not because you were young i had to have this explained okay. to me later hallie bertoni so we'll get to who hallie bertoni is in a second hallie bertoni is okay. being voiced by jamila mcmillan doesn't have a lot of acting credits and they're mostly minor the only one i recognize is she's the voice of senator hallie bertoni in the clone wars so yeah. rather like lama sue uh, and she's in early episodes she's in 2009 to 2011 so she last recorded her last episode of the Clone Wars 12 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So she's now back to reprise the role as Hallie Bertoni. Uh, she's also Queen Neutni in the Clone Wars as well. So she's the Queen of Naboo. Hallie Bertoni is the former senator from Kamino who was added to the Senate during the Clone Wars, who was a major advocate for military production and who constantly was fighting with Padme Amidala, who wanted less military. Hallie Bertoni is a not subtle reference to Halliburton, a private military corporation that made fucking bank off the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Oh, okay. Uh, I think Dick Cheney, who was the former vice president, used to be like on the board of Halliburton and resigned to be vice president. There's some connection there. Mm, uh, but Hall okay. Halliburton got a fuckload of military contracts during the Iraq war. And so they made a fuckload of money off of this war. Halliburtoni is a not terrifically veiled reference to that. There are no politics in Star Wars and particularly not politics about the Iraq war. Right. Because he said something about she's on a defense finance she was on the defense finance committee and she was removed got it okay yeah that's subtle they're they're not subtle about this at all <laughs> she served her purpose and now she is out got it yeah so i thought it was cool that it's the same actress and i thought it was cool that she showed up again because 
she was one of the interesting Senate characters mm -hmm. in Clone Wars, which I thought was neat. I don't have a lot of notes on the heist specifically. Yeah. It's it's a good heist. It's interesting in terms of the heist rules, because if you remember the heist rules, uh, when you're writing a, a heist into your show or movie or whatever, the heist rules are that if they explain the plan, intercut with doing the plan, then the plan will succeed up to the point that the the explanation stops. Right. If they explain the plan and then do the plan, the plan will go off the rails basically immediately. And there's a few subversions of this, namely Shaun of the Dead, but this tends to be the heist, how heists are written when they are written well. In this one, we, it's interesting in that not only do we not get a plan, Rex explicitly states that they don't have a plan. There you go. So they make go this the whole thing up as they go along. <laughs> So it goes off the rails immediately because there is absolutely no plan. And it does go off the rails later on. But I found it interesting that they never had a point where like, we're going to do this and this and this to break in. They're just like, and eh, we're fucking winging it, which is very bad batch. Uh, we do get some V-wings in this scene. Uh, nice little continuity tie-in uh, as they are still using V-wings for several years. It will be several years before the TIE fighter is mass adopted. Uh, they're using V-wings in Lords of the Sith and we'll see them a few other places, but it'll be a couple of years before the TIE fighter is properly adapted. Uh, also, I fucking love the escape, that they shoot an escape pod. They, like, activate the entire ship and then shoot an escape pod out to shoot over the guards. I think that is cool and rad. I also like how they just do a bunch of escape pods, too, because it's like, eh, well, we don't know which one they're in, so it's like, it could be any of them. Yeah, they launch all of them so that they can get away. So they take the information back to the Senate. It's really rad. Uh, they have a little, like, great political scene, and then fucking Palpatine shows up. They're having this moment where Rio Chuchi dramatically denounces Rampart and is like, fuck you, Rampart. I have uncovered your secret. I have shamed you before the Senate and I have defeated this bill. And then an alarm starts blaring. <laughs> and Palpatine rises dramatically up from the Senate floor. The reactions to Palpatine showing up are incredible. Omega, like I'm, I've pulled the episode up and I'm looking at the facial expressions. Omega, like she doesn't know who this is. She looks concerned and confused. Uh, let me skip ahead a little bit. Rampart snaps to attention immediately. Uh, Rio Chuchi and Bail Organa kind of like look at each other. Like I'm pulling up the episode, we see Palpatine. And then we get a quick shot of Rio Chuchi and Palpatine looking at each other. Hallie Bertoni steps forward. She's confused. Like everybody has these different like horrified reactions to Palpatine showing horror, horror, confusion, Rampart immediately snaps to attention. Like nobody knows what's going on. And then I do love that Masamita like leans over to talk to Palpatine. Like it's just, this is an incredible moment. I love this moment. I just like how they timed it so perfectly. They were like, all right, let's just like, I feel like in the, behind the scenes, Palpatine and Masamita are like down there watching it on Skype or something. And then they're like, or I'm sorry. I, oh my God. I just said Skype. Like how old am I? Um, They were like, uh, they're watching on the zoom call and they're like, they're like, all right, when do we go up? Like, should we wait? Like, no, no, no. Let it play out for a second. Like, I just want to see what happens. And like, okay, they, they've they're made like their point. They're like sipping mimosas down. Yeah, they're, the they're like, we, they made their point. All right, ready? Press the button, press the button. And then they like slowly rise. So then he's just like because at first I was I was just re-watching the scene in the background. At first, Omega, she doesn't know who this is. So she's a little concerned and creeped out, but she's almost kind of hopeful when Masameda starts talking and being like, clearly Rampart's accusations are correct. Guards, arrest this man. Then the Coruscant guard shows up. 
uh, to arrest him. And he's like, I was just following orders. The, he tries to pull a fucking Nuremberg defense and be like, I was just following orders. Don't throw me under the bus like this. And then Palpatine starts speaking. Palpatine is being voiced by Ian McDermott. And you can tell <laughs> the minute he starts talking. Yeah. Look, I love I love Sam Witwer. Mm-hmm. I love Ian Abercrombie. Not wild about Tim Curry as Palpatine. But I love both Sam Witwer and Ian, Ian Abercrombie's versions of Palpatine. When Ian McDermott is playing Emperor Palpatine, specifically Emperor Palpatine, you can tell. There is something to his voice and the way it sends shivers down your spine. This is terrifying when he starts speaking and addressing the Senate. You're like, oh yes, this man did take over the entire fucking galaxy on charisma and manipulation alone. Like this Well, entire- he didn't have charisma alone. It was charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. And also he fucking manipulated everybody. That's a drag race reference, by the way, if you didn't quite understand. I, I didn't. I didn't get any oh, okay. of that. What is, uh, what is that not- spell, Charles? Oh my God. I... Palpatine has charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. (laughs) Just take a long sip of my coffee. Yeah, Palpatine gives this whole speech about how he tosses Rampart under the bus and then is like, I am deeply troubled by everything that has occurred. So abhorred by the actions of this rogue officer. But I'm so concerned by the clones and their willingness to follow these orders. Mm. Perhaps it is time. Like the entire show, The Bad Bat, the show is about how the clones get replaced by the Imperial Stormtroopers. And this moment where he drops, for the first time, if you're watching in chronological order, you have never heard the words Imperial Stormtrooper before. Mm. Okay. This is the introduction of the term Imperial Stormtrooper and it's Palpatine in this dramatic moment that gets to say it like oh this scene is so well handled and like at the end when he says it and like Rio Chuchi looks over like back towards Omega and Omega is just like horrified and confused Like, Omega, honey, you're not even in the same league as Palpatine. Nah, he's playing chess. He's Y'all playing, playing checkers. The- <laughs> Y'all are playing checkers. He <laughs> is playing seven games of chess at the same time. He's playing, uh, what is it, three-dimensional never- chess or whatever yeah. they call Y'all yeah. were never going to, to come anywhere close to beating Palpatine here. No. Like, he kicked all of your asses. Because clearly he had contingencies in place. If Rampart's thing goes through, he gets his stormtroopers. If Rampart gets taken out, he's a fall guy, Palpatine gets his stormtroopers. Right. Palpatine was always going to get whatever he wanted in this scene. Absolutely. There was never going to be a scenario where you were going to beat Palpatine at his own game. Because Palpatine controls the system. He is the system. It's such a good, it's such a good scene. It's bone chilling. The music is ominous. Ian's voice is just resonant through the senate chamber like this is palpatine at his most emperor and i love it i love this scene it's so fucking good i i can't do it justice which is why i think a senate show would be so fucking good if you have him as this like underlying like thing like he doesn't actually need to show up in this quote-unquote senate show that often it can be very vague like very like it's the way it was in andor where right yeah he's an omnipresent right he's a presence over it but we never actually see him here he's a presence over these proceedings 
things. When we actually see him, it's a big deal. Right. This I is would the love only that. time we've ever seen the Emperor address the Imperial Senate. Outside of Revenge of the Sith, when he's forming the Imperial Senate, he's never addressed them. So he has shown up to directly address them to basically get exactly what he wants, which is incredible. I can talk about the scene for ages. However, in the garage, we're going to move on to the next scene. Rex does make the comment like, oh, Palpatine was one step ahead of us during the war. He's one step ahead of us now. Does Rex know Palpatine is Sidious? I don't think so, unless Ahsoka told him. Ahsoka, that's what I'm thinking. Ahsoka might have told him, or he might have worked it out when he had the chip removed. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, do they know that he's a Sith Lord or whatever? Or do they just think Rex knows? Yeah. Rex knows that Palpatine is Sidious, or at least Palpatine was behind the the Clone Wars. Right, because everybody who quote unquote knows that Sidious is a Sith Lord is dead or Darth Vader. So Or Obi-Wan Kenobi or Yoda, who are both hiding on random. Right, or or hiding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so yeah, I guess it would only be Ahsoka, Darth Vader, Yoda, and Ben Kenobi that are the only people who know that he's a Sith. And then anybody else just knows that he manipulated the Jedi. They don't know quite the extent. I think Rex knows that Palpatine was Sidious and Palpatine is the big bad here. Got it. Yeah, because it's such a weird like, because you'd think that they'd be like, oh, well, obviously he's a step ahead of us because he's quote unquote force sensitive or whatever. He's one of them, essentially. Like he always knows he can quote unquote see the future or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, I, I think he does know. Speaking of Rex, Echo decides he's going to stay with Rex, which that does make sense overall. Like I said, I wish we'd gotten a little bit more this season to indicate yeah. that that was a thing that could potentially happen. However, the scene is very sad and emotional and comes out of nowhere. And Omega's like, yes, sir when he's like mm-hmm. he basically gives her an order to leave and and she follows that order because that's how she was raised but her voice like breaks during the yes sir and she hugs him and i'm like fucking christ this got me like right in the in the feels you had a conspiracy about this i have a couple so let's get let me let me jump in one because i have heard this mentioned several places currently canonically echo base is not named after echo okay Echo Base is named because of the weird way that the caverns echo. That is the canonical answer right now. It is entirely possible that retroactively they may make Echo Base have been named after Echo, uh, because that is only in a visual dictionary okay. that's reference, or a complete locations guide. It's not directly mentioned in the comics where they're building Echo Base. However, currently, canonically, it's named after the way the caves echo. Okay. I'm just going to jump in and say that real fast. Okay, so I had nothing to do with that. That was not, not even close to what okay, I was Okay, good. Let's, okay. let's get into what you think with your three brain cells. Okay, I got a couple different theories here. So my first theory, which seems to be the most prominent and obvious, is that Echo is leaving with Rex. They'll probably show up in the finale or something later on. Yeah. That's not a big deal. However, we know Echo is not in Rebels. Correct. So this means Echo is Echo's going to die. Echo is not alive is gonna by die. the end of this Echo's show. Gonna be, okay. Echo's going to die in so, this show. <sighs> I think he will die and the whole they they're creating this hole in the team for a reason. And I think it's because Crosshair is going to fill that hole oh, when he comes interesting. back. Interesting. I think he's going to quote unquote redeem himself and he will be brought back in with open arms, you know, like, you know, you don't have a place to go, so you can come back with us. I think that's technically what they're doing here, they're setting up. Um, Now, I jokingly want the next episode to be about Crosshair because it's called The Crossing. That's just a, I mean, it's a, 
it's a theory, but it's also just like a joking theory. I don't actually think it's going to be about Crosshair, but it would be hilarious if it was. I actually think the episode Metamorphosis will be about Crosshair. because Oh, think that's that, interesting. I think that's his redemption arc, theoretically. Also, I thought I the episode see... was going to be how Crosshair woke up as a giant cockroach. Probably. I mean... I did, although I did see. Do, I don't do know you get I, you get the reference? I hope that I'm making here. No, no, you don't. You don't know about Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis. I don't know what that is. It has one of the most famous openings to a short story ever. I believe it's a short story. The way the dude wakes up as a bug. Dude just wakes up one morning and he's a giant cockroach. Literature during this time was fucking wild. They were doing all sorts of batshit things. Uh, you just gotta roll with it. Uh, so that's why I think that episode is gonna be about Franz Kafka, uh, not Franz Kafka, Crosshair waking up in bed as a giant bug. Okay, put a pin in that because maybe that'll happen, but <laughs> probably not. I'm my gonna make so many theory. cockroach jokes during that episode. You have no idea. Okay, so here's my actual like this is my wild outlandish theory. Now we know that the lead time on anime is a lot so they i don't think this is actually a thing but this is my joke is that this was their way to get rid of echo because he is the biggest contributor to whose white baby is that um only because he is oh. genuinely white uh, yeah because they did so that's a thing that's been brought up we haven't been covering a lot of the issues with like the, spe the specifics i don't know if that I don't think that so. Much of a role in it. I will say that the cast will be much less melanin deficient. Well, that's my point. Is that not there? Once he's gone, it's the gonna point, fix yeah, the point was, in a way. The point was brought up. Uh, the point was brought up before that there were some people that had issues with the fact that you know he was completely washed out still yep. because they pointed out that Boba Fett can completely heal with Bacta and like get himself back to normal and not be so ashy and like why can't Echo? I'm not gonna get into that very much yeah. i don't think this was a response to that no i don't I actually think, think that i just think it'd be a funny conspiracy theory that it, like, it would be a what, conspiracy yeah. theory that you could have yeah. that they were like oh better pull out echo because he's right. the worst one and we can't fix him right no i i think that echo is very much like a main character of the show and i do think he's gonna pop up again in the last two episodes oh for sure he'll he's definitely be come gone back for the two episodes uh, for the rest of the season except for the last two episodes because notably yeah. everyone who got screeners which was not us Everyone who got screeners didn't get the last two episodes. Right. So, so no one knows. wild yeah. shit has to go down in the last two episodes. Also, I, I don't know this to be fact, so I'm just kind of throwing it out there. But I saw somewhere there was a an interview with D. Bradley Baker, and he was talking about how the next Crosshair episode was like his favorite episode. And I think someone from what he said, said that that might be episode 11 or 12. So I think that's why I was thinking like either Metamorphosis or the outpost might be his like redemption arc or the next thing that involves him. Um, so Possibly. let's I pull think... up those episode titles. Bad Batch episode titles. It just pops right up because I've, You've already I've had to Google it so much. Uh, yeah, yeah Metamorphosis I... is 11. The outpost is 12. So I, it, it seems like that could theoretically be the ones where he comes back and redeems himself. Also because according to, you know, the group, he's technically the only other actual Bad Batch person 
Jensen because they Echo can is still not... consider him a brother. But yeah, Echo right. was a late addition to the team, so yeah, it is entirely yeah. possible that they're going to go back to the core team plus Omega. I think I think so. I think that's what they're going for. That's my theory, anyway. Those I, are my conspiracy theories. But I, think I think it's think more likely the removal of Echo has to do with making room for Crosshair to come. Right. Back. I think that's what it genuinely is about. I think it's funny to think about it and the the skin tone thing, but I think more likely it's, it's because it's they an, need to make room for Crosshair. It's a fun sarcastic dig at them to say that they yes. couldn't fix Echo, so they decided right. to remove him. Yeah, let's just kill him off. Like, badly. yeah, <laughs> send him away. <laughs> Which would be really shitty if true, but I don't think it's. I don't think I don't it's think true. So. But anyway, we'll take any opportunity to bag them for this. How of ridiculous course. the the skin tones are. But yeah, I let's. I have one more note, and then we'll get okay. into theories. And then we'll get into the final thoughts. Yeah. Uh, the final shot, I think, ruined my life. I don't think I can be happy after that shot. I don't think I can feel joy ever again because Omega has just experienced loss for pretty much the first time. Like, she lost Camino, but that was a place. She has just lost a person for the first time that she actually cared about. Right, right. And so she goes up to her room where she was meditating, where she had her conversation with Echo at the start of the episode, and she gets Lula, and she, like, curls up and holds Lula close because she just doesn't know how to process her grief. And I'm like, she really is just a fucking child. She should not be having to deal with this. It's like what Hunter said back at the end of the episode Tribe, where he was like, they're just kids. They should be away from all this, but that's not the galaxy they live in. Fuck me, when this show is good, this show is really good. And I think what they're doing is similarly what they did in Rebels, which was like for the first one and a half, two seasons of Rebels, you know, Ezra was like a kid, essentially. And then when he shaves his head and like that is kind of the signifier that he's growing into an adult or he's, you know, kind of well, he's a, a growing maturing, into a, a late a teenager Jedi. because right. he's a dumbass in but, season three. But it's similar here where like, you know, Omega is transitioning into this like I'm no longer a kid anymore or I can't afford to be a kid anymore because of the world we live in and I think she's going to mature in this season and then I think in the what I'm assuming will be the last season is the I, third I also season. assume it'll be a three season show yeah I think what they'll do is like okay now she's grown up she yeah. is she's done she has matured um, enough you know omega is our protagonist and this is her journey and this is right. an important step on her journey loss losing someone at the age that you can comprehend losing someone whether it's someone walks away from your family whether it's someone that walks away like or someone that passes away whether it's somebody that you just lose and and you'll never see them again reconciling with that is one of the most important things for you when you're around that age to comprehending that that's going to be a part of life and that's going to be a thing that you're going to deal with all the way through your entire life you're going to lose people and that sucks omega having to go through this and and even without words just quietly processing this information because she's not ready to talk about with anyone yet is a heartbreaking moment because she's she's lost a lot of things this episode she's lost echo she's seen that everything they do no matter how much they try to help the emperor is just going to twist to his own ends the system that is in power does not care about 
the rightness of their action. The system that is in power cares about itself, and the people at the top are at the top for a reason. And no matter how much she tries to help and make the galaxy a better place, that's not the galaxy that she lives in. It's, this episode really is like, if this is the halfway point of the series, like assuming it's three seasons of 16 episodes, this is the halfway point of the series as a whole. Right, yeah, definitely. That is a brutal, brutal halfway point for her to have to go through. And I don't think we're going to see the same Omega going through the rest of the season that we saw even in the first half, where she was having, you know, her treasure hunting adventures with Fee, or she was trying to save the Wookiees with Gunji. No matter what she does, she's gonna experience both losing and losing other people. God, this show is good when it decides to be good. Sometimes it's like, why the fuck did I spend 20 minutes watching that? That accomplished right. nothing. And sometimes I'm like, good God, man, where did you, where did this come from? Where did, the, where did this episode come from? You know, this is like, they, they were like, all right, guys, we can only have five good episodes like in the whole entire season everything else has to be shit this, these have to be so <laughs> well, fucking it's not good shit that, i know there's I know, only kidding, one but, episode like, in the entire series that i think is genuinely bad and that's infested but that seems more like it's bad because of missed opportunities i don't it's know if it's bad it's bad yeah. because it's such a weak episode it's yeah like well we can't get into that but we, yeah, 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 yeah we're not going to relitigate infested the entire right. rest go of back the and listen to go infested back and listen to our listen. coverage yeah. of infested where i am sweating my fucking balls <laughs> off because i have no ac in my apartment i'm recording on my iphone right so charles final thoughts on this episode uh so final thoughts on this episode fucking loved it it was incredible i really think that they they hit a turning point with tribe on this season i think that overall looking back at the the entire arc of of the first half of the season they really hit a turning point with Tribe, both in terms of, just in terms of a lot of things, the visuals are getting better. Uh, I can enjoy it a little more since they've gone back and clearly they've fixed some of the skin tones. So I'm able to enjoy the show a little bit more from Tribe onwards. I think their one-off story with Tribe, even though it doesn't affect the main plot, no, but that really knocked it out of the park with being a one-off episode that had little moments of character for everyone. Uh, and then into this two-parter, I think they've really ended the first half of the, the season with a bang. You know, I was bracing myself for a basically okay season after the first five episodes, or really even after the first three. I was like, okay, they're they're never they're not gonna get to like the, the heights of Clone Wars that it got to. But when I finished, I went over to Facebook and I gave my honest assessment of the two-parter, which was, it's up there with, with The Lawless. It's up there with Twilight of the Apprentice. It might even be up there with Siege of Mandalore for me, in terms of just how fucking good these, these two episodes are. So I had left the first, I had come through the first half really sort of, okay, we're watching more Bad Batch. I'm really optimistic, especially for the ending of the season. They're pulling some really brave, interesting stuff with these last three episodes. And we're going to go back to some more character episodes because that's what these shows do. But I'm honestly more fine with those because like I understand the heights to which this season can get. This is really like an incredible season of television that they're putting out. So absolutely banger series of episodes. Loved every minute of it. Genuinely excited to see what they do with the back half of this season. What about you, Bradley? What are your thoughts on uh, on the final, the, these two episodes, the the finale of part one of the That's second the season? Um, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think they, this is really, uh, you're right. After Tribe, it's gotten a lot stronger. I think honestly, me personally, I would have switched 
the solitary clone and like entombed. I think I would have put those kind of, I like the faster and entombed I would have put before solitary clone. So like the first half of the season was kind of more fun. And then the solitary clone would have kind of set into motion, like the seriousness of this season, because that's such a serious episode. And the other ones are not, they're not that they're not serious, but they're very like, they're a little bit more lighthearted, like faster and entombed. were very like lighthearted with fee and um, the racing stuff. And this episode or these two episodes are so like intense and so serious like they're like okay guys like this is like where the story is taking place the meat of the season is right here and if all the other stuff is like the condiments and stuff like this is the meat like you're like all right this is where the rest of the sandwich is going to get really good and i really liked it i think clones conspiracy for me is definitely the strongest truth and consequences wraps it up in a nice bow for me and they did a good job to where like they left a little bit of a cliffhanger with you know echo and stuff but they didn't like make it so annoying of a cliffhanger where we're like we're not going to get resolution at all on this until next season or something like this is clearly setting up like all right there's something things are going to happen in the finale and you guys are going to get that information overall i loved it Um, and i'm excited to see the second half because you're right i think at first i wasn't super into the show and this last couple episodes is really keeping me engaged and like wanting more so i'm i'm happy and it won't deter me from the fact that we're going to have to watch this along with mando 3 because I think that could have been a detriment to the show. But I think the next couple episodes or the latter half of the season is going to be really strong based on what we've seen. And that is going to keep us engaged even during the Mando episodes crossing over. And I think this was the plan. I think that this is why they were fine with crossing over a little bit. Right. Because they looked at the first half of this season, which was my theory before. And they went, okay, we're going to have, you know, 10 episodes or so that air before The Mandalorian that keep people engaged. And people are going to come back, either they're going to watch them at the same time as The Mandalorian, or they're going to want to go back and finish The Bad Batch, you know, later on. The Mandalorian is going to take more center stage, but I think that they've done such a good job of the with these Bad Batch episodes that I don't, I don't think they're worried about, and I don't think they should be worried about Mando crossing over too much. We will, of course, continue to cover The Bad Batch. Uh, as previously stated, our present plan, I guess we'll reiterate this because I reiterated every episode, our present plan is that uh, we're going to finish the Bad Batch. Uh, we are going to do uh, Mando next. So we're going to do Mando with a little bit of a lead time. Mando will get into episode seven before we even start recording episode one. Now there is an exception and the exception is we are going to record our episode zero prior to the first episode airing. So the way it's going to work is we're going to finish Bad Batch. Episode zero will air because we're going to go back to a nine day lead time for Mando, mainly so I think we can we can get more guests and build in some buffer and all of that. But that episode zero will be recorded prior to Mando coming out. So we get a little bit of a break for us or we'll get into the schedule shift for us. Right now the plan is finish out Mando and then we'll kind of analyze. We might do a bonus episode on the May 4th stuff. Celebration is coming up in April. We might do a bonus episode on Celebration. But right now for the next three months of Gold Squadron Gaze, uh, you can expect it to be we will finish Bad Batch and then do Mando Season 3 and we will see what comes after that. Right, because also they're dropping Visions and we have a tentative plan for Visions, which is a totally separate thing that is going to have right. to happen after Visions Mando, is so. going to be our, I know we hate the F word, but we're going to say it, Visions is going to be our filler. Um, right, until the next, the next big shows. We're going to go back to Season 1 and we're going to be, but we might also do a bonus episode on like Visions Season 2. It's hard 
hard to say. Uh, yeah. A lot of it depends on Bradley and my schedules and what right. we can what we can make work. Yeah. Uh, as Bradley mentioned at the top of this episode, sometimes he has all of the time and sometimes he has none of the time. <laughs> right. I either, I I'm either too busy or I have all the way time. too much free time. Right. I have none of the time all the time because I'm an insane person who does 18 million thousand things exactly uh, speaking of which you should check out for light and dice a ttrpg actual play podcast set in the high rope it's so fucking good you guys it's incredible you have to listen to it Alrighty, that is our episode for this two-parter i have nothing else so bradley run the socials so i can go do my weekend thank you for listening to gold squadron gaze did charles fuck something up send us a message at gold squadron gaze at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post the podcast as well as exclusive content. Please join us next week and every week for more of Gold Squadron Gaze. Because it's primarily like it's a more affluent neighborhood. That's that's friends of WeHo privilege right there. Oh my god! Don't even get me because you are officially started. now you are officially Don't now a friend of WeHo. Fucking start it! I live in West Hollywood. None of those motherfuckers live in West Hollywood. The real show should be about me sitting in my apartment listening to this podcast. Yeah, because that's the real West Hollywood gaze. <laughs>